0: Welcome back, my friends, to another episode of the Shema Podcast. A quick housekeeping note, my email has changed. I, as you know, I was sort of holding on to the president at torchweb.org, but I'm no longer the president. I had to relinquish that, or eventually to the new president, who I was very excited to turn the reins over to, Ben Helstein. So my new email is Shema at torchweb.org. My friends, I'll tell you something. Someone asked me the other day, are you monetizing the podcast? And I said, yeah, absolutely. It's been the number one source of my wealth creation. They said, well, how are you doing it? You don't do ads. How are you going about monetizing? I was like, well, you're thinking about wealth in a totally irrelevant way. The money aspect, that's Hashem. The wealth I've accumulated is connecting with and making so many friends through this podcast and connecting with them and being able to grow with them. And so that's why I I love the emails. I love the communications. And that's why I have our guest with us today, David Block, who did an amazing podcast with me when he came down here a few weeks ago to spend Shabbos with us. And he had an interesting question that he brought forth from his listeners, the people in his community that listen to our podcast And I'm going to bring him on right now and he'll sort of talk about what transpired and we can get into addressing what they were inquiring about.
1: Welcome to the Shema Podcast, the podcast for the perplexed, where Torah insights intertwined through personal stories as well as interviews with leading Torah scholars demonstrate the empowering qualities of Torah and mitzvot. For more great Torah learning through Torch, the Torah Outreach Center of Houston, go to torchweb.org. Now to the show.
0: David, thank you once
1: again for coming back on the show. Thanks for having me, Dan. I appreciate you sharing the microphone. You know, they, they say don't ever share a microphone with a lawyer, so you uh, <laughs> may not ever get it back, but I appreciate it. And you're right. After the, the episode we did uh, last time, it, it, my friends and family uniformly enjoyed it, enjoyed listening to you. And the Jewish friends that listened to it, one common theme I heard from them was, okay, I get it. You're on a journey. Dan's on a journey. I'm I'm interested in what y'all are talking about, but I'm not trying to be from. I'm not trying to follow all 613 commandments, but I would like to do more. You know, so ask Dan what his advice would be about if you could do something just to kind of get started uh, or or just to feel connected, feel like you're doing something more observant. And so I let you know that I communicated that to you and you said, hey, let's talk about it. So here we are. Absolutely. Such a great
0: question. Something I put a lot of thought into and I talked to Rabbi R. A. Wolby. I should always give the disclosure you know, on this podcast that even though this podcast is part of the Torch podcast family, I'm not a Torch rabbi. I just play one in a cover band. So I did have a conversation with Rabbi R.A. Wolby, and he said, you're you're on track. A great place to start. But, you know, I really wanted to start, David, with getting to why a Jew asked such a question. Because I would suspect that one of the things they would say is, well, I want to connect to my heritage, but I find that when you start to ask questions and delve in deeper and say, well, why is that important? Why is connecting to your heritage important? What you'll end up finding in a lot of situations, that's really where you get to the heart of the answer, but the problem is our physical minds are constrained by what information we've been exposed to in our lifetime. And so a lot of times we are not going to find a real answer. Like, why is that? Why do I have this drive to want to do these mitzvot? You know, I mean, even just one or two, what's, what's causing that? So I want to sort of address that by itself. First, I think it's important to define a few terms because, you know, I, I see a lot of times, especially like when you hear people arguing, you know, this is a lawyer, that a lot of times you hear people arguing like about politics, and you realize that as the outsider that they both agree with each other. They're using a, the same terms, but they have different definitions for those terms. And if they remove the terminology and realize they were talking about the same concepts, it'd be a lot more chill and agreeable of a conversation. So first off, let's define what a mitzvah means, because it gets translated a lot as commandment like the Ten Commandments. And I've also heard it translated when I was growing up as it's a good deed, you know, like picking a cigarette butt off the sidewalk or escorting an elderly lady across the street, you know, whatever it may be. It's a good deed. They are good deeds. But to really understand what the word means is that at the root of the word, it means connection. That's what it means. We have 613 ways of connecting with our creator. And the word for sin is hate, which means to be deficient. So you say you have these two opposite extremes where a mitzvah just means you're connecting with your creator. And a sin means you are disconnecting with your creator. Because an important concept to understand is that space and time only exist in the physical world. In the spiritual world, there's no space. So how do you come close to your creator? It's through alignment with your creator. You know, so that's one idea I think very important to understand. You know, another concept we discuss a lot is that is this idea of a llama You know, God created the world to bestow ultimate goodness and pleasure. And David, you're sitting here a week away from going into surgery. Your neck's a little sore. You're probably saying, all right, well, bring on the pleasure because I'm not feeling (laughs) it in my neck right now. Right. And then we talk about this Olam Ba, this world to come where all this, the ultimate pleasure will be received. And I think that begs the question, like, hey, God, if this Olam Ba is so fantastic, why don't we just go straight to that? Right. <laughs> why, not? Right. why do we have to go through all this? Makes no sense. So the Kabbalist gave a, a very beautiful parable that I learned from Rabbi Cohen very early on. I mean, I think like around 12 years ago. I'm glad it was like the bedrock of my tour knowledge. Because when he told me this, he taught me this to a a class one evening. I called my wife. My daughter was like three or four years old. And I said, have you put Elsie to bed yet? And she said, you know, she will not go to sleep until you read her bedtime story. I said, fantastic. I'm on my way home. I came home and I told her the story I'm about to tell you guys. And... She loved it. And the next night when I went to read her bedtime story, I grabbed the book she likes to read. And she said, no, tell me that story you told me last night. She always wanted me to tell this story. And, And I told Rabbi Cohen about that. And he said, this is what they should teach every Jew in the first grade, like lesson one. So even if you're, this is a very diverse audience. If you're from, from birth Jew and you haven't heard this and you haven't taught it to your children, please do courtesy of Rabbi Cohen. But the parable goes like this. There is a very wealthy man. He is the wealthiest man on the planet by multiples. And he's also an extremely kind man. And one day he's driving in his chauffeur driven limousine and he looks out the window and he sees a man asleep on the curb, cold till he's sick. He's hungry. He's in rags. He's just in a miserable condition. So the rich man gets out of his limo. Picks up the poor man, puts him in his limo, and drives him back to his estate. And he puts him up in his guest house. Now, his guest house is nicer than any other home on the planet. That's how wealthy this man is. And he puts him in his guest house and sends out his best doctors to restore his health. He sends out his personal chef to make him the finest food. He sends over his tailor to make him a a wardrobe of the finest clothing. He gives this man everything. And one day, the poor man knocks on the rich man's door and asks to come in and speak with him. And the rich man says, is something wrong? You look upset. And the poor man says, yes, there's something wrong. And the rich man says, what are you lacking? Please, I'm in pain. Tell me what you're lacking so I can give it to you. And the poor man says, I'm in great deal of pain for what I'm lacking. He says, You have shown me so much loving kindness, and I have no way to reciprocate because you have everything, and everything I have, you gave to me. And the fact that I can't reciprocate back to you and show you my love for you is creating pain for me. And the rich man now knows that he's in pain because he can't give him the ultimate goodness. And that's the paradox. That is what Hashem knew as he was originally thinking through creation about how to give the ultimate goodness. And that is the purpose of this world. This world, this lifetime is being able to give that poor man what he wants, the ability to reciprocate back to their creator. And that's really, I think, David, where this yearning comes from. It's from deep down in a Jew, in their soul, they know. That's why they're here. And without the Torah, we have no way of knowing that, nor do we know how to go
1: about doing that. Does that make sense? It does. Yes, it does, Dan. And it touches on what I think the most fundamental thing we can do to get started in having a relationship with God is showing our gratitude. And I know, I know we're going to talk about some of those ideas, but. That's really what it's about. You know, God, I heard somebody say, you know, the the Torah and Judaism only tell you how to improve two relationships, relationship with God and the relationship with everybody else. (laughs) And it's one of the first steps in, in improving any relationship is showing gratitude to the other for providing things to us. And so the man in your parable wanted to do that, was aching to do that. And it, and it was creating a problem in the relationship. And so that's the key is to say to the to the provider, to the rich man in the parable, thank you so much for doing this and showing that that love and that gratitude.
0: Absolutely. Now I know there's a few things you do in order to help sort of instill that gratitude. Maybe this would be a good opportunity to sort of maybe share that idea, those particular blessings with the the audience.
1: Sure. And you made a disclaimer at the beginning and I'm Want to make a disclaimer as well i'm still i still consider myself at the beginning of my journey and and i really appreciate you talking to me and you know you you gave me some great guidance when we were in houston together and and i think that you got some pleasure out of that uh seeing somebody you know at the beginning of the race so to speak and so anyway i just wanted to say that i'm not from i i'm still learning i'm still trying to connect and one of the things that worked for me the, let, me, let me just say to begin with, okay, Yeah, everyone, <laughs> I don't care if
0: someone's been brought up from, they, they'll all tell you the same thing. I'm a to I'm trying to, I'm constantly trying to move forward, making mistakes, learning. Look, the tour is infinite. So, you know, one of the things I experienced when I first moved here was I was struggling. I was learning about things I was doing with Shabbos that weren't correct. And I was getting frustrated, but then I realized I would go to someone's house who studies you know, all day long. And they invited me over. He's like, I learned a new halakha about Shabbos. I wasn't doing it right this whole time. You know, right. and I, I was seeing that all the time. And then they would go over Shabbos laws, the halakha around Shabbos laws at shul on Shabbos. And people's like, oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> you know, so look, we're all in the same boat here. Everyone. Right.
1: So go ahead well, continue. I, I appreciate you saying that, you know, we're all on journeys, you know, regardless of our level of observance. I, that's one thing that I've learned um but one thing that that started helping me focus you know bringing religion down to me in a in a very practical manner was i started saying the morning blessings and as you know the morning blessing the first thing you're supposed to say when you wake up is a prayer called mode ani and it's a prayer i'll read it it says Moda ani melechai melachai vichayam, shegezarta bi nishmati v'chenwa and in, in, in English, the first word moded means thanks. Thank you. I offer thanks to you, Hashem, my God. Although we don't say the name right then, but we, we're we're offering the first words out of our mouth is thank you. And it's thank you for giving me another day, for restoring my soul to me for another day. You know, you're giving me a, another chance to do good in the world. And I also love the love the blessing because it begins with thank you. And it ends with Amuna, which means faithfulness or or, or faith or you know belief in, in in God's goodness and and presence in our lives. And and so I mean, in a sense, that's it. That's it. I mean, that's the key to 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 living a Jewish life is being grateful and having Amuna. Right. And so I was going to talk about Amuna,
0: but what's interesting is in that prayer Hashem asked every Jew to wake up and say that. But the reference to Amuna is Hashem saying to you. I have Amuna in you,
1: right, right? I
0: restored your soul because I know you are going to crush it today. Whatever challenge I put in front of you, you're going to excel at it. One of the things we have to understand too, is that, you know, what, what gives us free will, we touched on that last time, but you know, we have a, what's called a yetzirah, a concept that I was never exposed to, you know, in the reform synagogue, but this is translated as the evil inclination, although it's an ancient that works for Hashem in order to keep our free will in check, and so as we grow spiritually, it resets to our level every day. And so, what Hashem is telling us every morning, I want you to say this: "I believe in you, David." You know, and that's that's a key concept. So you're right. There's many of the blessings. It's about gratitude because by default, because of Ratzarah, we will begin to go into a mode of thinking of everything we lack. So let's let's talk a little more about this this word Amuna. David, because once again, we have to define it because it gets translated as faith, but it's the word faith, the way that is defined in the English language, which came from Christianity is not a concept that we subscribe to because it's not a concept that's given in the Torah, which means the word faith being defined as to believe in something without evidence. Mm. That is does not belong in Judaism whatsoever. So what we are referring to when we say amuna is not blind faith that there's a God or blind faith that the Torah came from God. That is something that he gave us a means to determine that and have our own Mount Sinai experience by embedding in all these logical proofs to that. The word amuna means to have faith that God is orchestrating everything in your life and everything that he does is for the good. And that's really the foundation of really what the Torah is all about. You look at every, you know, the outer clothing of Torah, the the biblical stories, which sadly, most of us, you know, our education ends at age 13. So we sort of have a a rough sketch of the stories, but we never get beyond the clothing of Torah to the inner meaning of it. But all those stories are stories about Amunah. So I think one of the things that, you know, I think we touched on a really good analogy last time, David, to help really explain what Amunah means and how it's really demonstrated in the instruction God gives us as well to say the Shema when we wake up in the morning and when we go to or before we go to sleep at night. So we gave an analogy last time, David, of a parent who has a, a toddler and they love their child, of course, so much and they want to do an act of kindness towards their child. So they give the child a toy. And the toy brings so much joy to the child. But at the same time, as you know, being a father, we sort of get probably more joy than the child watching the child feel joy. So there's this whole idea of giving and then receiving through giving. So the child is full of joy because of the act of loving kindness from the father or mother. And then the parent sees that, the child is not wanting to share the toy with his friends. He wants to hoard. It. He's pushing away his friend. He wants to play with that toy all by himself. And now the parent says, "I love this child so much. I want to give him even a greater gift than the toy. It's the joy of sharing it with someone else. That's even more valuable than the toy. So, in order to give him this second gift, this act of loving kindness." I'm going to pull the toy away until he learns how to share with his friend. So both those acts are acts of loving kindness. The second act is actually more loving kindness. It's actually a higher level of joy the parent is trying to impart upon the child. So both the same from the parent's perspective, that is. Now, from the child's perspective, the first act was an act of loving kindness, and the second act was an act of judgment. He sees separation from his vantage point. And this is the whole meaning of the first verse in the Shema. You know, when you break apart what that the words mean. So the, the English translation is O Israel, Hashem is our God, Hashem the one and only. Now let's really just break this down a little bit to understand this. First of all, we're saying this under our breath, Giro Israel, we're saying, listen, you, David, listen, you, Dan, who, you know, know this is what your neshama wants you to hear so badly. And then it's giving two names of God. So these are two aspects of how God interacts with us. So for the Yud Vavke, Vav ke, and I'm just replacing the hey with a K, that's what we typically refer as Hashim when we're talking with each other. But in prayer, it gets translated as Adanoi. And this is one aspect of Hashem interacting with us as loving kindness. And then Elohim is the aspect of God interacting with us in judgment. And then we say, but it's all the God of loving kindness, Hashem, because they're one. And now with the analogy of the parent-child, we see that. We see that, and that's why Hashem wants us to say this every morning, every night, throughout the day i say multiple times throughout the day to get myself centered that hashem when he's acting with us with loving kindness or when he's holding back loving kindness he's all doing that out of loving kindness it's the same thing
1: and we right. just need to look outside that that child experience and and witness this the the concept of god being one it's hard for us to wrap our heads around that <laughs> and i heard rabbi david Foreman, speak about this very issue. And he said the same thing that you just said, but I just want to expound on it a little bit. Please. If there's two groups of attributes of, of God. You know, one is, is compassion, loving kindness. The other is judgment. But there's only one God, right? These are just aspects of God that we can experience. But if you put them together, if you put loving kindness and compassion together with justice, it's really loving kindness that comes out on top. But if you're a combination of compassion and judgment and you see me doing something wrong, you're going to show me compassion. And so that's what this is telling us in essence is that yes, there are these two aspects of God, basic you know in a general sense, you know kindness, compassion and ju- and judgment, but it's not a harsh God that's you know it's really all loving. You know, everything is loving. And that's what it's telling us when it says that that Hashem is one and only. Take any story out of the Torah, like, like Jacob, when he's
0: fleeing his home because Esau is out to kill him because he took the birthright. And Jacob had prophecy. And God said, I will protect you in your journey. And what's the first thing that happens as he's going to his uncle Laban's home to because his mother gave instructions to go there to find a wife. What's the first thing that happens? Esau's son attacks him, trying to kill him. And so Jacob, in order, has to bribe him and gives him all of his money. So now he's broke and he goes to his uncle Laban's home and he wants to marry Rachel, but he doesn't have any money. So Laban says, that's fine. You can work for me for free for seven years. Now, not once does Jacob say, hey, God, what about taking care of me? I've been robbed of all my money. Now I'm working for seven years for free. And then when that's over with, you know, he gets the head wink and he marries Leah. He says, that's okay. You can work for another seven years for free. You never hear Jacob complain, even at his high level. He knew intellectually like what's happening. But what he always knew was he had a muna. It's all for the good. And of course, when you see now over time, what takes place where he has the 12 tribes of Israel as a result, you can see, like, of course, that was the absolute best thing that could have happened to him. But in the moment, all our patriarchs, the reason there are patriarchs, is because they just knew, like, I don't understand this, but I'm not God. This is all for the good. It's a common saying we say, this is all for the good, because we just can't see it yet.
1: He wouldn't have worked for 14 years for his wives. He wouldn't have had the, the 12 tribes and he went and he gathered, he gathered riches too. He came away a very wealthy man.
0: That's definitely the whole idea of what our relationship is, is about and what Hashem wants us to understand. So when someone says like, God doesn't want a relationship with me, then why did he tell you to say this when you wake up before you go to bed as many times throughout the day as possible, you know, to really instill this in your heart that he's just like the parent that withheld the toy because he's trying to give you something even better. Matter of fact, the majority of the loving kindness comes when he withholds loving kindness in order to give us those really, really valuable things that bring richness to our life. Now, there's a couple ideas I wanted to share, David, on how to really sort of, you know, for one, saying the Shema, saying the modeani the morning blessings, and and really getting ourselves in the headspace for that because. As I mentioned, we have a Yetzirah and that's job of the Yetzirah is to distract us. And it's only sphere of influence is in our thoughts. So it tries to throw in negative thoughts all the time, which is why Hashem knows that when you wake up in the morning, the first thing he's going to try to do is throw in negative thoughts. So he says, step in right from the get-go. You tell yourself what I want you to tell you. Okay. So you can do battle with this. And the general rule of thumb is if you have a thought that's negative about yourself someone else, or a situation, basically anything negative, it's your Yetzirah. There's nothing to be negative about. Everything is positive because everything's coming from Hashem, and He wants the absolute best for you. Matter of fact, every Jew is supposed to look out at the world and the vast universe and, and know that Hashem created all that for one reason, to have a relationship with you. It's the reason the whole system's there, just for you. And we're all supposed to think that. So Hashem does interact with us in this world. And the more we come attuned to it, the more that builds our Muna and our relationship. So one of those ways is through pain. And I did an episode with Rabbi Ari Wolby called How to Achieve Prophecy with Rabbi Ari Wolby, where we shared several stories on this idea. But one of the things that happens when we go through something where, you know, either we're sick or something in our body hurts, even when we stump our toe. Everything God is orchestrating. And one of the things we definitely want to do when we go to try to heal that is pray to Hashem to heal it. And like David, before you go into the surgery next week, we are commanded to go see a doctor. But we're also commanded to say, that doctor is not going to heal me. Hashem, you put me in contact with this doctor because you're going to heal me through this doctor. Before we take a Tylenol because we have a headache, this Tylenol is not going to get rid of my headache. Hashem, you're going to get rid of the headache. here's something I, I forgot. It's really the first question you should ask. And what happened was about five or six years ago, we were going to be taking our daughter to a summer camp. And my wife made plans for us to stay at a bed and breakfast nearby because she was super psyched about going on this hike up this mountain. But earlier that week, I bruised the ball of my foot. I don't know what I did at the gym, but it just started aching. And I thought, you know, it'll get better. I got a week. And... I was hiding my limp from my wife so I didn't want her to think that, oh, you're not gonna be able to go on the hike with me. And I was thinking it well, would just go away. But it just continued to get worse and worse and worse till we drop our daughter off at camp, we go back to the the hotel of bed and breakfast and my foot is screaming like every step is pain and I'm just hiding it. I'm thinking, how am I gonna go on this hike up this mountain tomorrow? And I've been praying Hashem the whole time. Please don't heal it in my merit. Heal it in my wife's merit. But I forgot a very important principle. Way before we ask Hashim to heal anything, my wife went to bed. I went out in the back balcony and I said, I forgot Hashem. Why did you make my foot hurt to begin with? What are you trying to tell me? Because it's a message. That's all it is. We can take the subtle little messages, a little tap on the shoulder. Or we can take the punch across the jaw. But eventually, he's always going to start off with a tap on the shoulder. And when I asked him the right question, what are you trying to show me? What am I not doing right? What am I doing wrong? It came to me crystal clear. And I realized something that I was not doing that was harming myself and other people that I need to step up and be proactive with. And I saw that. I was like, okay, I got it. I did my teshuva. I'm on it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I walked inside, through the living room, went to the bedroom, sat on the bed was thanking him for showing that insight to me again. And I realized something. When I was walking back inside, my foot didn't hurt. I immediately got up and started walking around. And the foot that was aching as I walked to the balcony was fine. And I was more ecstatic about the idea that I heard the message. I knew what I needed to do. You know, I got the message right. Probably more so than the fact that my foot was not hurting. So this is the way Hashem communicates with us. That you know all the time. Even I remember early on, when I learned this. I'd stump my toe, and it was just like screaming. And I realized, like, okay, hold on a second. What were you just thinking about? And I was thinking about something negative. And I should have just said, stump my toe, and said, Dan, what a ridiculous thing for you to be thinking about. Change your thoughts. And as soon as I changed my thoughts, my
1: toe stopped throbbing. So that's definitely one idea of how it communicates with us. So offline, I will ask you after this episode is over, I will ask you to counsel me on what it means that I've been having back and neck troubles. Because I think that God's. I, what I've been telling people, because you, you mentioned something about this to me when I was in Houston and I, I was thinking about it and I made a joke. But it may be true that, you know, I've had back problems and now neck problems. And, you know, it's all to do with my spine. And I think maybe God's telling me, you know, I need to have a stronger spine. I need to have some backbone, you know, we can talk more about that offline. It's really that personal prayer with Hashem, where you just ask
0: him, show me what you want me, what you're trying to communicate to me so I can change. You know, that's,
1: that's the only way to really go about it. I think you've told me that every time you've asked that question, the answer's always presented itself. Because that's what Hashem wants. It's, it's going to He'll put the thought and idea in your mind once you're
0: a receptive vessel to receive it, and you ask the right question.
1: One thing I was going to mention back to the morning blessings—it ties into what you were saying about the the yetzer hara that we translate as the evil inclination. One thing I love about the idea of starting with saying "Moda Ani" and the Shema, and and then growing into saying the other blessings is that for years. For my whole life, I woke up and the first thing I did was start worrying about whatever I had to do, start worrying about work. Oh, you know, stressing out about this, stressing out about that, stressing out about all these, you know, things that come up in regular life that in the big scheme of things don't matter. But, you know, I'm sure everybody can relate that that like the first five minutes you're waking yourself up, you're stressed out about negative thoughts. And so it it took a while. And it, I mean, it took a while to, f- to force myself, say mo say mo ani. And now it's the second nature. So my day always starts off with a positive thought and I can catch myself if I start going into anxiety. You know, I could, whoa, 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 wait a second. You know, it's time to do something else. Time, time to say another, you know, blessing or whatever. And so I think that's a good way of, putting into action some of the things that you're talking about is train yourself. That's what you do when you say the modi training yourself to start your day off in a positive way. Right. Everything always, the beginning of something is what sets the tone. It's like,
0: that's why Rosh Hashanah is the head of the year. We have all these points where we sort of hit the reset button and, and set things off on a, on a very positive note. And it's really why we have all these mitzvahs, you know, like, like, I was surprised when I was first learning, like, oh, there's a certain halakha to tie your shoe and get dressed a certain way, of, you know, but then you realize that, like, in the morning, like, I liked how I was having a way of staying cognizant of my relationship with God in the morning, instead of letting my thoughts go off to what's happening in the news or this, all these worries. I sort of sort of, I started clinging to them and looking for the next way of doing something because it was connecting to me, to God and getting my thoughts right. And that's what He wants. You know, like we're, I'm right here with you.
1: Everything is good as long as you recognize that I'm right here with you. And that's why I think that starting with the, with the morning recognition of God and thanking God, it leads to other things. It, it led me to other things. I, I won't speak for other people. It led me to 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 do the next step and the next step. And that's why that that thought came to me when we talked about what's one thing I w- I would suggest to somebody that's Wanting to connect is, is to start off that way. Because all of Judaism
0: is about developing Amunah. And all these mitzvahs are all about different ways of building that and connecting with God. No, these, so that's why they become addictive. They're all gateway mitzvahs.
1: You know, right, like, right, right. Like the gateway
0: drug, you know. <laughs> it's, it's It all does that. But it, starting off with any of these things. You know, there's a, another area as far as like living life with this amuna is that he is orchestrating like everything in our life. The fact that David and I are here having this conversation over Zoom was orchestrated by him. The fact that David's in my life now was orchestrated by him. Every single person that comes into our life is specifically there and tailored for our life. And one of the things we're always trying to do to improve ourselves, our connection to God, is work on our character traits. One of the challenges with that is that our Yetzirah does not want us to do so. It wants to make us think like, oh, we're perfect. We're amazing. But when it comes to evaluating flaws in other people, I mean, we're all Sigmund Freud. Then we can just do a total analytical breakdown of everything wrong with them, right? When it comes to looking at ourselves, our Yetzirah does not want us to see that. And Hashem knows that. So one of the life hacks he gave us in his Torah, and it does say in the Torah, I created the Yetzirah, I created the Torah as an antidote, is he created what's called the mirror effect, as Rabbi Cohen calls it, the cosmic mirror, which basically means is that everything, everyone is in our life for a reason to add to our customized curriculum for the day. But whenever we encounter someone and we see this glaring negative quality about them, and it evokes emotion in us, and it's like, oh, it just really bothers me. If you can get to a state of humility and accept this truth, The reason you are having that experience is because what you are looking at is reflection of your own character flaw that Hashem wants you to work on. And it's very, once you train yourself to do that, that's how you can get past the Yetzirah and say, oh, I need to work on that. And sometimes it's more amplified, but at the same time, it is something you need to work on. And what you'll notice is when you work on that and you improve it, you won't see it as much in the other person anymore. And if you do, it won't invoke any type of negative emotion. Instead, sometimes you'll see that person who's maybe works in the office next to you, they get transferred somewhere else. Like that role has now changed. And that's why you see these people coming in and out of your life. So the idea here is that when you get a negative emotion about someone's negative quality, approach it the right way with humility. Those are all opportunities to fix things for yourself. And you'll see and you'll begin to experience this whole idea of what Hashem wants us to experience is living this life of a moon is seeing that he is interacting with each of us on a a daily basis.
1: One thing we've talked about, Dan, is once you start seeing God in your life and things happening for a reason, you can't unsee it. (laughs) You know, we've talked about how, like, you know, for you can not see something for, you know, 50 years. And then all of a sudden you see it and you realize it and then you can't unsee it. And right. it's, 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 it's just the way that he works. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, I, start started off my journey by just like reading
0: like these articles on logical proofs for Torah being divine. And I spent six months doing that before I was like, okay, all right, I get it. But quite frankly, where a lot of the logical proofs build up is just by doing these things and, and experiencing them yourself, make, make your relationship with Hashem experiential, it's all the proof you really need. So you guys asked for one mitzvah. One over-encompassing mitzvah is to develop a Muna. And we gave you several practical ways for doing that. The other, if there was one other mitzvah that we could all do, or really it's a negative mitzvah that we could avoid doing, it'll make our lives today like a And it will bring about Mashiach in the temple and the final redemption. And that is with regard to speaking Lashon Hurrah, which is, is saying something, it's, you know, slander is saying something that's totally untrue about someone. But when we say something that's true, but negative about someone, the damage this does in the world is beyond what we can imagine. Quite frankly, when we hear in the, the top 10 of the mitzvot, thou shall not murder, what that Mitzvah is referring to is not speaking Lashon Ra, to not embarrass someone in public and say negative things about them to anyone else, because you're basically destroying the reputation. There's something bigger going on here. If we really understand the power that Hashem gave us, as I said at the beginning, the way we come closer to God is by aligning ourselves with him. So when we are generous, like with our tzedakah, we give generously and, and we get joy out of giving to someone. Guess What? Hashem is generous with us. When we're patient with someone, he's in turn patient with us. So if I know I need Hashem to be patient with me because I'm pretty thick headed, well, the way I can make that happen is by being patient with other people. Every way we act is how Hashem acts with us. That's how powerful we are. We don't even realize it. And the other thing, going back to that mirror effect, is when we talk about this God of strict judgment, here's what's going to blow you away, My friends. God judges us the way we instruct him to judge us. That's why when we leave this world, we'll see that he took all the cues from us. What does this mean? Go back to the person that's has that really negative quality. Of course, you're seeing that because you have that negative quality. Here's what Hashem is wanting to see if you'll do. Will you do introspection and teshuva? Or will you pass judgment and tell us when? Can you believe this guy? What an awful, awful person. It's such a horrible sin what he's doing. And you judge him harshly. Hashem says, okay, I had this case in front of me of you doing the exact same thing. You said judge harshly. I'm going to judge harshly. So we are orchestrating everything happening around us. Now, think if we go into this world where instead of judging each other, we learn from each other. We see something negative, it's like "Oh, you know that's really happening with me," and then we look at their positive qualities, and we learn from everyone's positive qualities. Talk about bringing about the redemption. That's all we, we're bringing it about because this is the reason we got you know destruction of the simple, second temple. We were doing everything right. We we're studying in Torah, doing all the mitzvot. We were speaking lashon hara about each other, and it was. That is what Hashem dislikes is it creates cases for him in the heavenly courts. And he has to judge us harshly because we're judging each other harshly. So if we could just remedy that, then we would be on our way to not only having judgments not pressed against us or enforced on us, but we would basically be learning from each other all the time.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, when I think about Lashon Harah, you know, it's talking evil or saying bad thoughts or sharing bad opinions or bad thoughts about others it's gossiping regardless of whether it's true or not it's it's just saying bad things and it's amazing how powerful words are you know because we we can actually change someone's reality by the way that we talk and you know for for example i will just make something up on the fly but if i'm talking to you and you know i'm like hey Joe is is a great guy, but man, you know, I saw him taking money from the temple, you know, or they're taking money from the shul or and 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 or using it in a bad way. I have changed reality for you because now you think bad about Joe. And so when when God's telling us be careful about your words, words are powerful and they change the way that we think and the way that we observe the world. And I could I'm really trying to rein it in because you know i could talk for a long time about how i think you know people in politics and media manipulate the language and and, the, and so on but it's it's true It's words are powerful god created the world through words and words are impactful back to what we were saying at the very beginning about the shema you know the shema is listen to words <laughs> and right. so it's all about it's all about creating an environment where where we're helping make it a positive environment, and it's hard to do. I mean, that may be the the hardest thing that I have to face is 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 not saying lashan hara, not saying negative things, and 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 the and then the converse is to say positive things, lashan hatov, you know, to say good things, right? But it it, it is really hard because we've become accustomed you know, non, non-observant non people and I guess some observant people have become accustomed to just constantly uh, thinking negatively about other people. And if you can just catch yourself doing it one time a day, you're making yourself better and you're making the world better. Yeah, matter of fact, there's a, on that note, on how can we refine this quality
0: because it's it's so easy to speak. It's like having a an automatic rifle that <laughs> mm-hmm. you can just fire off you don't see whether it's doing destruction or whether it's creating beauty in the world. There's a, a minion I go to for Shakuris for the morning prayers. And it got started by this rabbi who's head of the Kolel. And this rabbi has got to be in his 30s still. And apparently he's been through the entire Talmud multiple, multiple times, which is a tremendous, tremendous feat. So he, he is has tremendous scholarship in all of Torah, tremendous wisdom. And someone had the wherewithal to say, hey, look, a lot of us, we go off to work. We don't get a chance to learn Torah. Would you take five, 10 minutes and teach us a little Torah before we go off to our days? And what is the thing, the subject matter that this rabbi said, if I can only teach my brothers one area of Torah every morning, if it's the only Torah they're going to get, I'm going to teach them the laws of Lashon Harak because they're very intricate because there are situations sometimes where you do have to say something to a particular person. So they're very intricate. And so there's this book he's been teaching. Uh, actually a, uh, a good one to get is the Hofetz time a lesson a day. So it's literally just a few paragraphs every day that sort of gets your mind thinking about that particular area of Lashon Hara. And what you'll find that's amazing is to couple it back with building a Muna. You'll find that once you've learned that lesson, Hashem will create that situation for you in the next day or two to test you, see how you did. You know, so you'll see that sort of interaction along with it. But to me, for all Jews, like, and this is something we lack it. Every Jew, I don't care where you are. The only thing we need is more Amunah and to guard our tongues and use our mouth and our speech for holiness and bringing his Torah into the world and bringing honor to Hashem's name in the world. If we could just do that, my friends, two mitzvahs will be home free. Final redemption. Amen. Any final thoughts you'd like to share, David, with the, the audience? Maybe other things they could do. Maybe, you know, if they say, I did the Monday Ani, I'd like to do something else. What are some other little
1: small things they can do to sort of build that sense of connection with their creator? Something that that was really powerful for me was and i'm still working on this frankly it, it it's harder than it sounds but i have started trying to say the right blessings over meals and the blessings you say before the meal and after the meal and it's again it's the same theme of expressing gratitude to god you know before you eat and after you're satisfied from eating it's it's a way to you know express gratitude but it's also a way to bring God into our daily activities, I bring bring God into each meal that we have. Once you do it, it's really special. For some reason, I'm having a hard time saying the prayers after the meal because <laughs> it's like, I, for some reason, it's like you know, I'm get I get distracted or drawn off or whatever, and I'm having to make a, a concerted effort to do it. But the effort is making it more meaningful. Once you, once you thank God and, and you, and really what you're doing is you're living your life with gratitude. And if you're thankful in your life about the blessings that you have and the life that you lead, you'll be happier and you'll be a better person, you know, and it's, it's just, it's something simple that, that it's easier said than done. But, it but if we are always have a sense of gratitude in our lives, our lives will be better. 100%. As a matter of fact, Gratitude and Amuna, these things
0: are all interlinked with each other. And we say a blessing wherever we're done going to the restroom. Because we're, what we're doing there is we're saying, thank you for making my body work so well. Because if it's when it's not working, then you know, like I really appreciate my digestive tract working well. Right. Like you get Absolutely. to say a gratitude, things we take for granted. You know, that I, I was one Brock I was... I, had the hardest time saying, I don't know why it was just weird. Every time I walk out of the bathroom, you say this, this, this bracca one sock Another thing I may cut out, but one Pesach. <laughs> I just had this insatiable urge for matzah cheese melts. Uh, like I could <laughs> not control myself, I just kept eating these matzah cheese melts. And of course, you know what that does to the inside of your digestive tract. And I was in such pain, I remember. Like, telling Hashem, like, I promise that if you can make this all, like, go away, (laughs) I promise. I will say that, Bracca, and I have every time since because I was taking for granted something that is extremely important,
1: our eyesight. I mean, you know, great analogy is just the, everything that has to, and this was probably one of the logical proofs that you studied at the beginning, but for, for all the things to go right in your body to live even for a minute. It, it It's mind blowing. And, you know, I mean, I get it. I mean, some, you know, there's unjust suffering in the world and there's, there's things that make people doubt, doubt God and, and and his plan. But, but, it but if we spend our lives saying, why me in a good way, you know, why am I sitting here, you know, on a, on a work day talking with you, you know, a week before my surgery, why, why? Why am I? Why am I doing this? You know, it it's why. Why do I have the blessings of doing this instead of being born? You know, in, in other circumstances, and it's it, it goes back to the gratitude. But one one last point I, I'll say is that yeah. is that gratitude is in part realizing that there's something greater than us. There's something greater than us that is giving benefit to us. But there's sort of a flip side to that. And that is if we need help or we're struggling, because that's what made me start going down this path years ago. Is I was struggling, you know, and I needed help, and so I reached out to my Jewish roots to start learning more about it, and 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 found and found help. But it's you know the same the same source that bestows blessing on us is also there to help us when we need help, and 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 so that's the other part of a moon is that is that whenever we need help all we have to do is talk to god about it absolutely a couple of things there to sort of wrap up one is rabbi Ori
0: when i asked him his thoughts he, one of the things he thought that everyone should do is light shabbos candles even if you're not observing all shabbos just know that day is very special that is your date night and your day with hashem he wants us to connect to you it's a good time just to have even personal prayer but the other thing, too, is that when the Jewish people had this national revelation at Mount Sinai, and Moses brought down the Ten Commandments, and he brought down all of the Torah, the written Torah, the oral Torah, all of it he, he brought down. What God was doing in that moment was not creating a religion. What he was doing was entering into a relationship with the Jewish people to hold the mantle to bring a And knowledge of him to the entire world. So all these evil things we're always talking about, that we could be the leaders at at correcting all those things. So, you know, we talk about like we want to make the world a better place. It starts with us and it starts with doing the things I think we discussed on this podcast today. So I want to thank those of you who brought this great idea to David. I think it's a great topic. And David, I want to thank you for you know coming on the show and and discussing with me once again. Thank you for
1: having me and thank you for our friendship. I really appreciate it. Me too. It's
0: been fantastic. David, have a great day. I hope we can have you back many times because I always enjoy talking with you and learning from you. And I know the audience does as well. Thanks, Dan.
1: If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting Torch so they can continue to spread Torah wisdom to the world by making a donation at torchweb.org and clicking donate in the top right corner of the page.